welcome to the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, where small business entrepreneurs come discover the strategies, systems, and tools to kick their marketing into high gear. If you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur, you're in the right place. Let's get ready to roll. All right, welcome everybody. This is Eli Delaney with Driving Your Marketing. I'm the host of the show and the creator of Your Marketing University, where we do all kinds of fun, cool training and stuff there. And of course, we do this podcast with the whole purpose of bringing out some of the cool things people are doing in their marketing to share with you what works in today's world. Because let's be, let's be honest here. What ends up happening is that when I do a lot of speaking, I'll talk to people and they actually are fearful of marketing. They think that marketing has to be complicated, it has to be scared. I like to use this pretty much on every show. I say, you know, people have actually come to me and said that they think marketing is black magic and voodoo. And that's the whole reason I do this show is to show you that it isn't. Everything that we do is based around tools, tips, tricks, tactics, things that you can get out there and implement right away. And today what we're going to be talking about is people skills for professionals. Now, people skills are those are the wonderful and pesky little things that, that can make or break a relationship. And these are the things that a lot of times we take for granted we don't really realize and um, that we really need to pay more attention to what we're doing with them. And I've got Shauna Shu on the line here today. She is a friend of mine through the Infusionsoft user group. We've known each other for probably about six months or so, wouldn't you say? Somewhere right around there, Shauna? Yeah, somewhere like that, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to say a little bit. You are, see, you've, got the, you've been a business owner since 1983. You were the author of 51 Ways to Pick Up Your Get Up and Go, the author of How to Nail Voicemail and How to Out-Finesse the Competition, which I love the titles of those. So, Shauna, thank you so much for joining me today. Love to be here and love to talk about marketing and business in general. I, I dig it. And by the you way, would, I think there's a little magic, maybe not black magic to it, but <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's some magic to it. Oh, yeah, there definitely is to some extent, but it's the hard and complicated part. That's the part we want to get rid of because people tend to think that it's scary and, it, and it's something that they can't do on their own. And you and I have both been out there for a while. We both – you're a great example of it. I know some of the stuff that you're doing. You and I um, have actually done some work together, and you've actually done the – uh, women in the pet industry, and I want to I want to talk about that for a little bit. First off, kind of give us your background. How did you get started doing all of this stuff? Oh, well, thanks. And I, I think it's interesting, and I think for your your members, or I hope it is for your members, because I think stories are interesting anyway. And I think that right there is a point: is when you bring somebody on, like me or anyone that you've had on your podcast, and if you follow along with other people and what they do, it becomes easier. Um, I have training. I've got my master's certificate in NLP, which is neuro-linguistic programming. And one of the things that's a presupposition with, with NLP is that if somebody else has done it, it can be modeled. You can do it too. And so just for them listening, so bravo to the listeners that they're listening to the podcast because they're going to go, okay, well, that was a good idea. Or, oh, yeah, um, if they started that way, then I could start that way. So I would say, the mindset of if somebody else can do it, I can do it too, is what's worked for me but also works for everybody. It's just, it just does. It just is the truth. So um, i always been involved with things. I was in entertainment when I was younger and what have you. And I, I realized that there was need. And I think every single time a business is formed, you kind of think, oh, you're, you're developing a need. So I had been doing, um, found out that, that people needed to be inspired and they needed to be motivated and, and you can't really motivate anybody unless they want to be, but if they're sitting in front of you in a conference or if somebody's in your university, they, they're already motivated. So all you're doing is giving them a little kickstart or giving them a little new thought process. And so I was doing a lot of presentations. I earned my certified speaking professional, which I think you know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes 250 presentations over, you know, to 100 different clients. It's pretty intensive. And I loved all of it, and I was doing executive coaching for businesses, which I still do. And one day, I was talking to one of my clients, a wonderful, smart guy. And finally, I looked at him, and I said, you know, I think you'd be a better leader if you had a dog. How do you say that? You know, could I tell all of your marketing people, you'd be better marketers if you had a dog? But truly, it's true. And the reason it's true is because you can't fire a dog. If you're uninteresting, the dog walks away. I mean, 
they're pretty clear. Um, if you if you're if you're not consistent in your message, you will not get results. And so I I laughed and I thought I am so pet focused. I've lived this pet all my life. We live on a farm now. My husband and I have a boarding facility, interestingly enough, for equine. And I went, why aren't I working with people who have pets already? So even though I work with all areas and all um, industries and still have amazing clients in everything from, oh, mortgage, real estate, um, accounting, I've got a very diverse uh, client base, I am now focused more and more to marketing to pet professionals, which, by the way, is more fun for me. And if we're going to talk about marketing at all, I think there should be a fun factor. <laughs> right. And I, I love yeah. that. You know, and, and you know me, I'm also a dog guy. So that, you know, as soon as, as soon as I saw what you were doing, I'm like, okay, this is going to be kind of fun. And from that standpoint, you, you got brought up a couple of really, really good points that I want to kind of talk on there for a second. Um, the first one was that if somebody else is already doing it, you can model it. I love that because people tend to think, we tend to get into our own muck and go, okay, what, you know, they're doing it, but, you know, they have these things that are the reason why they're successful with it. And it really isn't true. It's a matter of if somebody else is doing it, all you have to do is figure out what they're doing and reverse engineer it. Well, and, and Eli, I will say yes and no. What my point there is, and your point too, I think, is it can be done. Yes. Some people have things stacked in their favor, and it's true that they have it stacked in their favor. I mean, even Infusionsoft, when you look at people who are really successful in Infusionsoft, usually it's a team approach where one is what much better. I know that's the way you guys work it. Or one of in your team is really the Infusionsoft guru, and the other one is sort of the visionary, which happens to be you. Mm-hmm. Every time I've been to anything with Infusionsoft and gone to the, the competitions that they have, it right. pretty much stands to reason. So. We can say it can be modeled, but there is a magic to finding the right players and, again, finding something that you love doing because right. then it's not that much work. Right, and that, and that brings me to the second thing that you, that you had brought up was that you're, you're working with people that you have more fun working with that you really love that. And that, that I think is something that's really critical because as entrepreneurs, I think a lot of times we go into that, that concept of I'm going to do this because I can make a lot of money as opposed to I'm going to do this because these are the people I enjoy working with. Because my personal belief is that if you are working with the people that you love working with and you're doing something that you have fun with, it really isn't work. It's true, although I have to tell you that the people that are non-pet people I still love them. So mm-hmm. I think, though, I mean, and it's interesting, and it's kind of a wrinkle on the conversation in that we have to make money. I mean, it, we're in business to make a dollar. And right. you, if you don't make money, there you don't have a house, and you can't t- send your kids to college. There's, there's things. Right. So there is the realistic piece that says, am I in a market that is viable? Because you might like playing the tuba. And if there's no viable tuba playing market, then, <laughs> so I think there's a marriage to, and, and by the way, I just wanted to do something inside an industry. Then I started going, that's when I, I looked for my niche. And so it wasn't just that I love people, because you could be my client, and you're not in the pet industry, but you have a dog. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's much more broad than I'm, I'm making it sound. It's just that I did the work to go in and say, okay, since I love animals so much, and if I could do exactly what I'm doing, which I, I, I love. I love working with any smart, savvy business owner. I, I love it. I can help them. Um, and I have a woman who just became a, a coaching client of mine yesterday, and she has nothing to do with the pet industry. And she was mm-hmm. referred by one of my other clients. So I think it's even deeper than that. But if you, if you love what you do, yes. But I think then, let's go to this place, niches. One person in the old days at one time told me there's riches in niches. And mm-hmm. I at the time thought, eh, whatever, because I was going to take whoever hired me. And now what I'm realizing is, for me at least, when I moved it into a niche, in other words, I will take all these clients that need me and I can help them. When I moved it into a niche, I found my business expanded. It wasn't just presenting and coaching any longer. It was, how do I get them together? How do I serve them better? How do I leave a legacy? I would like my network to live past me. And 
as a speaker, you don't have that happening or unless it's your product. So um, I just think I've shifted, and I, I know who my peeps are more, but my business has grown, and I'm having more fun using the things I'm learning because I'm more niched. Does that make mm-hmm. more sense? No, definitely. And I think that that is that you brought up a couple of really good points with that too, though, because we do, you know, we always talk about you've got to you've got to niche it down, you've got to really niche it down. And what ends up happening is the the biggest excuse that I always hear from that is, but I don't want to I don't want to turn away those other people. And you just specifically said you doesn't mean you have to turn away those other people. It just means that you're finding people that are going to resonate with you more, and you're going to have more fun in that aspect. But somebody who doesn't fit that perfect profile may still come in and be a great client for you. It, it's not a, a one or the other. It's a matter of you're looking for the one, and if somebody else comes along, that's okay. There's nothing wrong yes, with that. Yes, well said. It's not – another presupposition is, is it black and white? I mean, the world is full of gray. Mm-hmm. And so, however, I do believe that the more niched you are, the easier it is for you to develop marketing messages um, I also believe it's easier for you to come up with your own that special sauce that belongs to you. You know, if we're talking mm-hmm. about how do you brand, I mean, I was really clear within my own personal brand who I am, what I'm doing, that kind of thing. And as I started to brand it with the women in the pet industry, I borrowed all the things that were working and that was truly me. And yet I made some other choices. Now I could put animals in everything. I mean, I think Part of this is so that I could use my animals and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're around. Um, so it was just, it became even clearer. But if you don't have some clarity in who you are and what your offer is, I think marketing is pretty darn hard. Right. No, and I couldn't agree with you more on that. That is that is one thing that I find that once you niche it down and really just get that clear vision of, of who you are, what you what's important to you, and what type of clients you're really looking for, you know, the great thing about it is you are niching it down and, and the, the subconscious or even the conscious thought process is, well, now I'm limiting my potential clients, which that's not actually it. What's ends up happening is I like to use the analogy of a dartboard. If you're just, you know, taking a dart and throwing in some direction generally where the dartboard is, chances are you're going to poke somebody's eyeball out. But if you actually focus on trying to hit the bullseye, you're at least going to come really close. Well said again. Yes, thank you. And, and that's a, it's a, just a different way of looking at it. It doesn't mean that you're going to be, be turning away other people. And at some point, you probably will find some people to turn away because they just won't be a good fit. But in the meantime, it helps you narrow down what you're really looking for. Now, let's talk about, you know, the, the topic of, of this show is about talking about people skills. And I know that's one of the things that you've really made a name for yourself in with your, in, with your speaking career. And so let's talk about some of the things related to people skills and why, you know, why as a business professional, why is that so important? Well, and by the way, I think it's all marketing. If you were to look at um, everything you do, from your branding to your people skills, mm-hmm. um, and what I found is so many sales professionals and, and entrepreneurs, they're super savvy at certain things and they're lacking something really important, which is people skills or even advanced people skills. And so that's why people aren't buying from you because they don't much like you or you've offended them and you didn't know it. And we're living in a world that is so much easier to offend. And that's why people skills is a topic that is so sorely needed. Um, And people will, I mean, take it in the context of you're sending out emails. And if your emails are irritating or you don't have a right voice or you're not gracious in the email, you'll make more enemies than you make friends. Right. So people skills runs from the emails you send out to how your appearance is to how you actually introduce someone or not. I mean, it's just really interesting, and it keeps more and more levels draw on the more that people are getting to be so, I don't want to say tech-savvy, but tech-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, It's pretty interesting when you will be with a person right across the table from them and both of you will be checking your email when you could be talking. Or you'll say, forgive me, or you'll say, I have to take this call. And so you're at a business meeting and you take the call and it's your child. And or you'll or you'll say that to the person across the I have to take this, it's my daughter. And why? Did you not raise her right? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is, she, is she tethered to you? Are you her, at her beck and call? Well, apparently you are. And then when, then when the, the conversation ensues and you go, no, I told you it's in the top drawer, pretty much you just blew it. Because if right. you can't run your household, <laughs> you're not going to get my business. Right. And not only that, but you offended me because I'm standing in front of you and you took the call? Yeah, and I, th- I think that that really brings a, a really good point because I do see that on a regular basis. And one of the things that drives me nuts is having a meeting with somebody and having them consistently be interrupted because of phone calls and text messages and people walking in the door and all that kind of stuff. And to me, it is a rude situation. For me, you know, my situation is I will turn my phone off, and if for some reason there is an emergency call that I'm possibly expecting, I will say I have one call that, that is an emergency that I'm kind of waiting to see if it does show up, I may have to take that that call, so I will apologize in advance. If there's something like that, that's a pressing type situation. I mean, I've, I've had people where they say, okay, my, my, uh, my daughter's in, in the hospital getting ready to give birth, so I may have to leave yes. in the middle of this. Now, hey, obviously, way, that's Eli, acceptable. That <laughs> is the only time. We have to just remember what an emergency is. Mm-hmm. An emergency in that I might have some new business coming in, that's not an emergency. Right. Your daughter in the hospital giving birth is definitely worth it. And by the way, not only is it worth it, it endures you to the person, really, how old is your daughter? Do you have any other grandchildren? And next thing you know, you're in a conversation that's deeper than if you just came in to do a sales call or just to meet with this person. Right. So that can work in your favor. However, if you just say, you know, I have to leave my call and I'm expecting an important call, and you give no reason, people go, well, aren't you all that in a bag of chips? Sorry, I mean, I live in a world where time is the only the commodity that I cannot get back. Right. So if you waste my time, that's like the kiss of death in for, for people skills, but more importantly, for relationships. And right. what's business if not relationships? Yes. So that's what I would, that would be my biggest tip for all of our marketers. And, but, you know, there's some other, and, and I haven't gone here necessarily, but I don't know about you, but sometimes marketing can be really obtrusive, which is why, People, people call it spam when it really isn't, or they mm-hmm. complain and it hurts you. And partly I want to say, let's get more gracious about that. But we also have to remember that when you email and say, I knew you'd love this, that's your first lead-in, and you don't know that I would love this. We're mm-hmm. creating people not liking email marketing. Right. So we yeah. have got to be careful with that as far as people skills go. And that would, in my point, I would say, what's your intent behind the email? Right. And that is that is one of the things, too, that I think, um, you know, you bring up email marketing because you and I are both, you know, we both do email marketing. And it's it's my personal favorite way to to get my message out to more people. And I, I use it extensively. But what I do see is some people that they do, you know, they do exactly what you said. It's like, oh, I think you, I know you would love this. And but they don't actually they blast it out to everybody. No ifs, ands and buts. And that is presuming that person may want to buy that product when, no, they're not interested. And, you know, I think that I think if we actually just stop, and this is how I write emails, and I'm assuming you probably do kind of a similar process, when you sit down and write an email, stop and actually think of that one person that you're sending right. it to. That, and, and think of, you know, your friend or this one client you know, for a client, when I'm sending something to a specific client, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I saw this thing. I think it would be a great fit for your business. Well, it's because I thought of them first before writing the email as opposed to I'm going to write an email hoping that everybody will click on the link. You know, it's just a well, different and, shift. And so that's the intent piece. So yeah. you look at it from every exchange you have. This is in all for people's skills, for any kind of market, in every exchange that you have, whether it be with your your lover, your spouse, whether it be with your business associate or a partner or even an employee or a child, you Mm -hmm. kind of have to stop and say, what do I want here? Because we're we're selfish humans. We live in a world of we want what we want. However, if we actually stopped, we would get more of what we want. Zig Ziglar said this. You can get anything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. Right. So if you looked at it and said, do I want to sell them something? Because the tone of selling something is two days only and hurry up now and, you know, act fast. Or do I want to make sure that I'm serving them? And I might say, before this goes away, 
I just wanted you to make sure you knew about it. Now that's serving them. It's still mm -hmm. got a timeline. It's still asking them to buy in a period of you know limited peace. It's all the same thing, except the difference is instead of screaming at them, one day only sale. It is a before this goes away, just in case you need it. I thought you would want to know. Right, I love it. That is, and it makes so much sense. And this this goes down down to basic people skills. It really does. And and I love the way you're putting this in there because we're talking about email. We're talking about having a meeting with somebody. We're using different examples both online and offline because I think a lot of times when we, we deal with a lot of the internet marketing stuff that's out there, we tend to forget basic relationship building and networking skills, you know, which is which is what builds all foundation of life. Oh, and I've got to tell you that for my business anyway, as I go out and meet people, and I know you do a lot of when you're out and doing your events and things, same as me, when you meet somebody one-on-one -on -one and then you add them into your campaign or you email back and say, it was so lovely to meet you and expect a few follow-ups from me, they're like, oh, I know her, I know him, mm -hmm. instead of, hey, I, you don't know me. It's sort of like right now a pet peeve of mine is on LinkedIn. We have, I don't know, 4,800 connections on LinkedIn or something. And people will endorse me for things. And I, they'll go, hey, so-and-so just endorsed you. And I go, I don't know so-and-so. How could they have possibly endorsed me for that? Mm -hmm. So I may be all out of here because I don't even know how this works. But I was like, it, it always makes me go, there's no value to that. And then I've been getting emails from people who I do not know. And they'll say, hey, could you take a minute and give me a recommendation? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm completely shocked and horrified. Number one, they didn't ask me personally, they asked their whole list, it seems like. And number right. two, I can't endorse someone I don't know. And then now I find that I don't believe in any of the endorsements I'm seeing on LinkedIn because people are endorsing me with absolutely no prior knowledge. Now, you might want to egotistically say, because I market a lot and because I'm on LinkedIn a lot and because we send out a lot of stuff, but people do think I'm a good marketer on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and maybe it's not false, but how do they really know? Right, and that's and I'm I'm kind of looking at it the same way because I, I've had that same question and, and experience as well. I mean, I've got a couple of things where I have you know a couple hundred people have actually endorsed me for specific skills, and I look at it as is it is it truly valuable? Not really. It's not an actual testimonial from somebody who's experienced my stuff and said yes. But when somebody looks at my profile and sees that I have that many people have endorsed me for something, that might at least open the door for me in that aspect, but I'm not holding any weight on it personally. And then when it comes to an actual recommendation, which is where somebody actually writes that testimonial for you, when I do that, I put it out to specific people and say, you know, hey, you just attended my workshop. I'd really appreciate it if you'd be willing to write a recommendation for me because these are people who have experienced working with me before. And if I get, I've got that same situation where I've had people send me stuff and I'm like, um, I, I don't even remember who you are, let alone can I give you a recommendation? Well, of course not. Well, most, I don't know. If, and most you know. of them I've never met. I don't even know who they are. I mean, I don't even yes. it's not not remembering them. So mm -hmm. I guess let's look at that as a people skills piece. I think when you say asking for everybody wants to know what other people think online now. And mm -hmm. so the people skills wrinkle on it is to be able to say, okay, a testimonial is important. And somebody saying something nice about you is important because it holds great clout. It holds value. Like you're saying, they might go on and if they didn't know any better, or even if they didn't know better, they might go, you know what, enough people are impressed that they endorse them. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Subconsciously, it can help you. So what can it hurt? On the other hand, if we do it indiscriminately, or if, in other words, if somebody asks me to endorse them and I don't know them, it actually hurts your credibility. Correct. So that's the difference. If you want to go and endorse someone because you are watching their marketing, you think they're doing a good job, you know that they, they're the real deal, and you don't even know them, but you just endorse them, then you have not heard a soul. And you've just added in there. But if you ask someone to endorse you when you don't really know them, I think you lose lost credibility with them. Right. No, and I and I completely agree with that. And I've been there been there before on on the side of having people, you know, I don't 
even know where I found them before, you know, asking yeah. for those recommendations. Very cool. So that's Good one stuff. tip. So we've, yeah, we've given them a couple of tips on that kind of thing. Yeah. What else? So what else? Let's talk about networking. Uh, networking is, you know, one of the things that I love doing, and I know you've got some stuff that you've talked about on networking before. And I think it is a critical skill no matter what type of industry, no matter where you are in business, both online and offline. People tend to forget that networking doesn't necessarily mean going to your local chamber of commerce or B&I group or whatever, although it definitely can. You know, for like for us, we tend to network more in the online world and with, you know, conferences and seminars and things. But, you know, it all still boils down to some basic, basic foundational things that you need to keep in mind when you're out making those connections and building those relationships. I think that's a key point to any kind of people skill, essentially. So let's talk about that for a bit. Okay. Well, and what I would say is the same thing that I was talking about with email and your spouse, your child, what is it that you want from the networking event? And what is so amazing to me is um, I go to a lot of conferences and there will be people I meet there and I go, so what's your goal for the conference? And they'll blink. You know, they'll, they'll, uh-huh. they'll bat their eyes a couple times and they'll go, um, well, I'm going to learn a lot and I'm going to meet some neat people. And I'll think, okay, they're going to have a, a less stellar experience than if they'd actually stop for a minute. Now, what we've done is I have a, a sheet, and I just it's just real easy. Name of, the, name of the event. What are my objectives? Who do I want to meet? So that I've, and it's only four questions, mm-hmm. and it's real easy. So you're just like, okay, I know where I'm going. And then I'll also put an ROI in because every event costs money. It costs money with me either attending, costs the event, if I have to fly somewhere, but it also costs my time. So if we look at that, I'm going to, fly out and go to a three-day event, and I'm going to have to pay for my airfare, my hotel, and the cost of the event, my meals, possibly in and out, and I'm losing time at work. What is that? thousand mm-hmm. dollars? Um, if the conference Easily. is expensive, it costs me up to $4,000. So if right. I looked at it and said, what ROI, what return on investment do I want out of that conference? Your networking completely shifts because it's not mm-hmm. glad handling. It's not, I'm going to give a lot of people my card, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's, yeah. I need to meet three key players, or I am looking for somebody who can help me with one this one issue. So if you really looked at the needs you had, now this is you going into it and saying, this is what I'm looking for. And then the secondary piece is, what can I give? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm, I've been at networking events, and they're really clear what they want. They want to give me their card. You know, they, they want to they push their cards on everybody. They want to make connections. They have no rhyme or reason to it. They're giving their cards out indiscriminately, which all gets thrown away. And it, it's a bad technique. And so I would say, here's one of my tips, never give anybody your card unless they ask for it. Right. And if you're really interested in them, ask for their card. And then see if they ask for yours back. And then if they, I had one man say, may I have your card? To a, a guy in front of me, I was just kind of overhearing this. And the guy went, why do you want it? And I have never seen anybody <laughs> take it back. Like the, the guy was stammering. He goes, uh, 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 I, I want to follow up with you. He goes, for what? We've not talked at all. Why would I give you my card? <laughs> oh, that's funny. And, and, it, and was, it was so perfect because guess what? People would say, do you have a card? And you hand it to them. And you're, in the back of your mind, you're going, oh, my God, I'm going to end up on some list. Um, so it was very funny. So I would say, yeah, I mean, you were going to say something there in your life. But I would yeah. say don't force cards on people and don't ask for cards without some sort of an exchange prior to. Right. Well, and that's, and I think that that is really important is that, you know, it's not the, you know, I like to do the, talk about the business card exchange as in the, the drug deal where it's just like, yeah, hey, you want a card? You want a card? You want a card? You know, that kind of situation where people are doing that. Um, I got a couple of friends up in Denver who've got a radio show, the Experience Pros, and they actually, they call it the drive-by because they pretty much, you know, somebody walks by and just, you know, tosses their card at you. Yep. And we've all been there. We've all seen that before. Now, the, the flip side to that is being the person who actually does have cards and is willing to give them out with if somebody asks without pushing them getting to know somebody first i mean i went to i went to an event um 
Oh, it was right in early July. It was a World Domination Summit here in Portland. And I went as a what we call an unconferencer because it was actually sold out before I even found out about it. And I went, spent the week hanging out downtown, meeting lots of people all over town at various meetup groups related to the event and stuff. And I probably I probably had easily 200 really good conversations during this this week time huh? frame. And but what ended up happening was most of these people didn't have cards. There's a few that did. You know, there was a portion that did. A lot of them didn't have cards at all. All and the thing is that it was hard for me. I can't follow up with them. So I think it is something really important to say is that you should have cards available, and if somebody does want to follow up with you, that's okay. You know, obviously, you should be having a conversation with somebody. You don't just collect somebody's card and stick them on your mailing list because that's just not cool. But it is a matter of being prepared for that situation and not being pushy about that stuff. You said something really interesting, that that uh they didn't have cards. So. I am finding, and I was talking to a new woman that I'm working with, and she's really selective. She doesn't, you can't message her through Facebook. She has to approve you. More and more people are saying, I don't need 12,000 friends. I need good ones that are in my circle, or I want to connect just with people who I find value from or with. Mm -hmm. And so somebody who doesn't bring cards to an event like that, is it because they're not savvy as marketers, or is it because they're being much more selective? I think that there's the majority of them is because they're not being savvy. Because I've asked okay. them, like, why why don't you have business cards? Oh, I, I just haven't haven't brought them yet. And then there are some people that that quite honestly I think are just complete idiots because they want to connect, they want to build relationships, but they're not allowing people to because they don't have a simple business card. I literally had one guy was at an at an event, and he and I were both speaking together at, in different rooms. And there, there was something, there was a connection that, that I thought maybe we should sit down and have coffee afterwards. And I said, do you have a card? Because I'd love to, to get together with you and let's see, maybe we could work together on some stuff. And he said, I don't do business cards. If you want to find me, you can, just find, you can just Google me online. I'm easy to find. The problem right. was that I didn't know how to spell his name. I would have had to actually stop and write down how to spell his name on a piece of paper in order to follow up with him, which if you just had a business card would be a whole lot easier. (laughs) Yeah, your point is well taken that you have to be easy to do business with. So on the other hand, I still wonder if some people just don't because they don't want to connect. I mean, it's a technique too. You have to, because there's other ways, I mean, you and I talking together, I could take a picture of you and add you in my phone right then. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I think there's there's... an app called Bump too. And a lot of conferences, you, you bump the phone and you don't need business cards. Mm-hmm. So if you if you look at some of the way that we're working and interacting with each other, um, it may be that they become obsolete. Don't know. But your point, and I think we're where you're headed, and I think it's an incredible people skill. Is you have to make it easy for people to do business with you. Exactly. Yeah. And if you have a business card and they want it, then it's easy for them. If you don't put your name on your business card, or by the way, people don't put their addresses on their business cards anymore, and I mm-hmm. think that's a huge mistake. And one of the reasons I believe that is because I send notes to people. Mm-hmm. So not having somebody's – they're missing out on a way that I could touch them. But more importantly, I have to do a lot of work to try to get a hold of them. And so it makes it difficult. Now you're saying, well, wait a minute. You want to send them a note. I want to give them a gift. Mm-hmm. And I cannot gift them because they didn't – they made it difficult <laughs> for me. Um, now, I understand that's protective. People don't want to have their addresses on because they don't want people to know where they're from. Or, But it's just interesting. I think it would all depend on your philosophy. Right. Of, like, for me, I put my phone number. When somebody asks a question on Facebook, I just put my phone number inside my reply because they can call me. Mm-hmm. I put my phone number everywhere. And people will go, Shana, everybody will call you. And very few people actually follow up with anybody, interestingly <laughs> enough. I mean, You'll find this to be true. The reason that you're successful, that I am successful, that we do things is because we actually do this stuff. But most people take your card and you never hear from them again. That's the real truth. Oh, yeah. Follow-up failure is the biggest biggest issue that I see out there in any aspect. And it's – I mean, I I recently created a course all about that whole process because of the fact that I saw such a need for it. Um, Out of – you know, it does not – it doesn't surprise me to go to a conference and and easily meet, you know, even just a regular everyday conference, meet, you know, 50 people over the weekend – 
And I know that I gave out that many cards, and it was in conversation. It wasn't like I was pushing them on people and have zero actually follow up with me. I absolutely agree. I mean, I think we're winning when you do follow up, which is why we have infusion soft and different things we use so that it's Mm -hmm. easy. And never before has it been as easy with some of the apps that you can put the cards in. It's just what is your intent? So, I mean, if we go back to people's skills over and over and over again, your mother taught you to say please and thank you, hopefully. Hopefully your, your parents taught mm-hmm. you to say please and thank you. That's still missing. Um, and because we're more and more online everywhere, when we are with people, you've got to remember that it's the people first, the people first. Because right. people always do business with people. And so turning off your phone when you go in, unless you're going to use it to bump with them or, or get their information, mm-hmm. it, it just becomes an intent issue. And then knowing how to do things that are simple. Number one, shaking hands. Number two, are you pleasant? Do you have conversational skills? Can you ask an intelligent question? Most people have no trouble talking about themselves <laughs> and why they're there and what they want yeah. and all the stuff that's going on with their business. But you will do far better if all you do is ask questions. Yeah, and I, and I do I agree with that completely. And you know, some of those basic skills that we're talking about here, again, they are basic skills, but they have gotten lost. And that's that's where I think that it just amazes me. Like as an example, let's talk about um, you know, let's say you're meeting somebody for a cup of coffee or meeting them for lunch, you know, smiling and saying thank you to the waiter or the waitress. Mm-hmm. That that is another piece of those people skills that somebody's going to judge you. Whether you like it or not, they're going to judge you by how you treat that person. Absolutely. Yeah. And also how fast you are. And one of the things that's interesting, so many people meet in coffee houses. And Mm -hmm. the first person who gets there gets a cup of coffee and goes and sits down, which completely stops you from asking the person meeting you if they would like a beverage. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting. Like I will wait, and they will say, would you like to order something? And I will say, no, I'm waiting. And when they come, what? What can I order for you? Or may I get you something? Mm-hmm. It's a cup of coffee, for heaven's sake. But more right. and more, I'm meeting people, and if I'm not there first, they've already got the coffee, we're ready to start. And yeah. I have not been served. And I get that they're not thinking about anybody but themselves. So that's a pretty big one to look and say, how do I get there ahead of time or let them know or make sure we have a spot? And how do I, how do I treat this person with great care, great respect? And that goes from waiting to order until they arrive to making sure that you dress up a bit for them. Um, I am appalled by our world of working online. And by the way, I'm in my office right now, and I'm I'm not dressed well. I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you, why we're not. Do you on have the bunny slippers on? Uh, no, no bunnies. But <laughs> I actually have tennis shoes because I I need to go feed my goats. But I um. I just am appalled that if you're going to go out of your house, you should shower, um, and you and maybe you put on something besides the shorts and the flip-flops that you show up at the Starbucks in. Mm-hmm. So I would just say that, do you have to dress up in a three-piece suit? No, but you should treat your appearance as a presence as well. Right. And most people treat it like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. I'll leave that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and that I think that there's something really important with that too, because some people that is their their complete personality, and that they've embraced that that look and feel. But what they need to do is they need to be aware of what are the consequences of that. And if you're okay with those consequences, then that's fine. Then, but you're going to have some people that when you walk in the door in shorts and flip flops, they're going to go, yeah, I don't know if this guy's very professional, and they're going to leave. That's, that is going to be reality. And what I see is some people that actually get upset when they have that situation. They're like, well, why didn't you just, you know, put on a pair of, of actual pants for once, you know, right. you know, something like that. So By I the do way, think it's I think really important you... to just kind, of, kind of put that out there, letting people know that if that really is your brand and your image, that's perfectly fine. Just be aware that you are going to repel some people from it. Well, and thank you for saying that, and I think you're giving people permission in, a, in one way. I, I want to use an example that if, if I always look at somebody and say, do you think that your brand online, every other place, you want people to say, oh, it's ordinary or it's shoddy or it's shabby or it's mm-hmm. very casual. Those right. are not the words you want associated with your brand. 
and we spend more we spend more money on our pets than we do on ourselves sometimes, and we mm-hmm. we have a we have a beautiful car, and then we look terrible. Or what I would tell you is Mark Zuckerberg on Facebook always showed up in his t-shirts and his jeans, and and he was such a kid. He doesn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. If you look at anything that he is in, and he is dressed, and he is respectful. Why? He is working with people in a completely different level. So you right. have to decide how you want to grow your business. I mean, I'm in the pet industry. I'm with groomers and I'm with people. There's dogs, there's cats. I mean, pets bring their own brand of wonderful dirt to them. Um, and so <laughs> it's, if I don't have pet hair on me somewhere, I don't feel comfortable. On the other hand, it's going to be on, on my suit and my slacks. It's going to be on my beautiful top that I wore because I wanted to honor someone else. Mm-hmm. I'm, it, it doesn't, oh, I just wore this old thing because I'm going to be out in the barn. No. So, I, I mean, if you're working alone in your house, that's one thing. But when you're with people, you have to decide that you are the brand, too. And right. if you do not this up a bit, your brand looks less than. And I just want to say it. So when you say it's okay, know that you'll offend some people. I don't believe anybody looks at it that way. I don't think they look at their brand as themselves. Oh yeah, and that is a huge mistake. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm, I'm a very, very big advocate of personal branding, and that in today's world we don't care about the corporation, we don't care about the logo or the company. What we care about is the person we're dealing with. That's what business used to be a hundred years ago, and that's the way it is now. And the great thing is that we call it. We kind of moved up in one side to where at one point everybody had the, you know, like look on your website and the about us page talked about your mission statement and had a picture of a big glass building because you had a high sky rise and that's where your building would have been if it was in a perfect world. But really, you worked out of your house. And then we realized, yeah, this wasn't working for us. And now we've gotten back to being authentic and I think that that is what's making a huge difference but you the the other side of being authentic is that you have to really stop and figure out okay is this a representation that I want for myself and my company agreed because have you ever been someplace we have a place in Oregon as you know called Les Schwab and when you go in those guys are running they're dressed they're crisp they're clean cut you just you get that Les Schwab has a culture. Right. And they're fast, and they, they help you, and they run to get your car, and you're just like, of course I'm going to go to Les Schwab. And they'll do things for you and fix a flat tire without charging you, and you just, everybody's talking about Les Schwab. And you just get that that's the culture. And so it's impressive, even though we're dealing with one person at Les Schwab, Les Schwab has figured out that all the people that work for them need to have some sort of philosophy. Well, if you're a philosophy of one, can you afford to have a bad day? I mean, if you're the only one that they're ever dealing with and they call you and you're grumpy, so people will say to me, because I have a very high, I, I have a book on voicemail. I have a very um, up-level voicemail. and People will call me and go, God, you're always up. Are you mm-hmm. always like this? And you know what I say? No. But when I'm not, I don't answer the phone. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's and I, sort of like... <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I and just just to to set the record straight, I've listened to that voicemail of yours, so I know what we're talking about here. Um, and because I, I think, I, matter of fact, when I called you just last week, I called you and, and I got your voicemail, and I, I'm pretty sure I started my response with, "I love your voicemail. You sound so chirpy." Yeah, I mean, and guess what? I'm happy whenever I hear the phone ring. I hear ka-ching, ka-ching, <laughs> and so I I'm like, I can't wait to get at that phone, and so. What, and by the way, that's part of people's skills as well in your personal branding. Your voicemail, the car you drive, how you look, the email signature you put on. These are all elements that I help my clients with because most of them are letting the little things go. And, you know, if you've walked into a place of business and the bathroom's dirty, you start to wonder about the kitchen or you start to wonder about what kind of work they do. Do they not know? Don't they go to the bathroom all day? Mm-hmm. So... It's the same thing. Like if you look and say, I'm going to make my, my email have a great signature, and it's going to have a picture on it, and I'm going to leverage my email signature. Free? Why wouldn't I? And almost nobody does. Right. I mean, it's crazy stuff. So I'm always looking at things like that to say, are you doing all that you can? And I call it people skills because the focus is how do I serve others or how am I coming across to others or what is my intent? 
And right. so it is branding, it is sales, it's strategy, it's all of these things. And it, it's ever-growing. There's more than we can talk about in the time we've got allotted. And hopefully those things have helped the people who've listened. Maybe they're going to go, well, how do we do the email signature? <laughs> they can always call me. Um, but that's, those are the types of things that I think are important, Eli. Right. And I think that those, you brought up some really good points with this because all of these things we're talking about, none of this is, stuff is complicated. I mean, yep. it really, it really isn't. It's all, it's all basically stopping and going, is this, is this something that, that is going to give a positive impact on my brand and how I serve others? And mm-hmm. if the answer is yes, you're good to go. If the answer is no, then you shouldn't be doing it. You need to you know, go back to the drawing board. But it is a matter of, how you dress, how you show up, how you smile at somebody. I mean, I can't count the number of times where, where people just look at me like I'm weird because I smile and ask the, you know, the barista, how, how's their day going? And they look confused because they're not used to people doing that. But what ends up doing is that to, that makes their day better, which then puts off a better impression. And, yep. and it, all, it all works together. Yep. And by the way, it's the way you carry it. It's your intent. It's your intent in life. It's your intent for your business. It's, it's what are you on the earth to do. And if you know what you're on the earth to do and who you're supposed to do it for, then why aren't you happy about that? So, I mean, how could you not? I mean, think about dogs. You have a dog. Think about pets. They're just like, hey, you know. And they, you come home and they're like, hey, no. And you're like, I just went outside and came back in. Yep. And they're all happy about it. And so if you really look at that, how great it makes you feel, how authentic it is to them, because they're just happy. So in mm-hmm. my mind, I'm looking at, at my work and I'm saying, I, I'm happy when people call me. I'm happy when I work with my clients. I'm happy to do an interview. I'm, I'm happy. And so if I look at it and go, everything, and is it work? Yeah, yeah. Do I have to put in effort? Yes. Do I have to learn some of this stuff that sometimes I don't want to? Absolutely. But if I look at it and go, it gives me what I want, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy about it. And right, then that is awesome. Shift, yeah. And I liked what you said, and I want to come back and we'll end with this if we can. I know we're running out of time. But when you really, you know, you turned it and said, you know, if, if that's going to be what is it that you're doing, well, darn, I, I don't know exactly how you, you uh, put it in, but it was something to the effect of it's not difficult. It's just knowing that you're going to, come that way. You know, it's the little right. things that make the biggest difference. So I just want to reiterate that it is that intent. It's being able yes. to say, I love it. I know who I'm serving and I'm going to do my best for them. And then yeah. a lot of your people still will take it care of. Yeah. And that, and that was to kind of go back to, it was that, that one, one simple thought process before any action that you do is a, is this, is this going to portray the image that I want and is this going to add yes. value? And that's, that's really what and, it Oh, and then it's going back and saying, have I even asked myself that question? Yes. And I think most of us jump into business without really saying, what are we about and what is my – and I, I read a book that I would recommend called um, The Purpose Driven Business, or no, mm-hmm. On Purpose Business. Uh, I can't remember who the name of the author is right this minute. On Purpose Business, not The Purpose Driven, but On Purpose Business. Mm-hmm. And he wrote The On Purpose Person. And one of the things he said was, figuring out why you exist, so I clearly figured out that I existed to create magnificence for others. And so when I looked at that and said, oh, how am I doing that? My delivery systems are I speak and I coach and I have some online programs that people can take. And then I put everything through the filter of is it magnificent? And the hard part was much of what I had done wasn't. So my husband laughed. We took it out to the burn pile. You know, I'd produced paper, uh, you know, flyers that weren't magnificent. Mm-hmm. I'd produced some things that just didn't have great, great things. And people go, oh, just slap it together. But for me, knowing what I was about and why I existed really helped me define those brands. Right. And that's a question that I find, unless you're ready to do the coaching work or unless you're really ready to go to a place where you want significance, not just success, People are not asking the right questions. Right. That's, that's my final thought there. Yeah, and the, I do have that. We're going to put this in the show notes as well, but the author for that is Kevin McCarthy. 
Yes, it is. Uh, Thank you. Yes, for the on-purpose business person and the on-purpose person, both books. Yeah. On, so we'll on be sure to put those. We'll definitely put both of those in the show notes for this episode as well. Um, so Thank we you. are we are getting right up on time here, and I want to want to ask a couple of quick questions, and we're going to start wrapping up. One thing: if there is one action step that everybody can take right now after they're done listening to this episode, what would that be? I think what we just said is to sit down and say, why do I exist and what is my value to others? All right. Awesome. And write that, that question. Down. Yeah. Yeah, write, write it down. down. Because if they answer that question and I say, why do I exist, then I get that I'm at my brand and my brand has all of these things around it. But if I don't ask that question, I don't have it. So I would ask them to do that one thing. Very cool. I think it's a great start. First start on them, and it's an easy thing to do. Just sit down and do it. All right. So how can people find out more about you? Because I know people are going to want to find out more about what you've got going on. Definitely um, on on both sides, you've got the pet industry-related stuff, because I know we do have some, some people that are in the industry. I know that they're going to definitely want to follow up with you. And then for everybody else that just wants to see what you're up to as well. Absolutely. I've got a couple of websites. One is shaunashu.com, and that's S-H-A-W-N-A-S-C-H-U-H dot com. And I know you'll have it on your website as well where they get the podcast. And that just talks about me and and you can watch some videos and learn. Um, You can sign up for some things um, if you're interested in coaching, things like that. And then my pet-focused work is with with www.womeninthepetindustry.com. It's a long tail, but it's it says what it is, womeninthepetindustry.com. And then it's just there's some video there, too, and um, it's just really interesting. And so if they wanted to kind of learn what I'm doing as far as the marketing on that, we have a biz book that we put out, and uh, it's a great um, lead generator. And so we're doing a lot of things like that for marketing that, that are working. Awesome. Not very, me. very cool stuff. Thank you, Shauna, for joining us today. This has been a blast. Lots of fun stuff, and I know you and I have got a lot of lot of same thought process behind things, so that makes the conversation even more fun. Thank you, Eli, for having me. Appreciate it. All right, and everybody listening, get out there. Have an amazing Rockstar Week as always. Let us know what you think about this stuff, and definitely leave us a, a review on iTunes, and we'd love to stay in touch with you. And with that, get out there, have an amazing Rockstar Week, and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Hey there, this is Eli again, and I got a question for you. Do you have a roadmap for marketing your business? If you're consistently looking for new marketing ideas just to keep your business going, then you need to check out smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com and download the free special report that I created to help you create a marketing plan that will thrive in any economy. Again, that's smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com. Go get it, read it, and start the road trip of your lifetime. See you on the other side.